And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the only podcast on the internet where I sit down behind a mic and talk about things that you didn't care about. Boy, that GoPro, if you're watching the video, the GoPro looks way off base. Also, if you're watching the video, you'll notice I'm back in the studio. I am in the studio, which is my apartment. I'm back finally after weeks and weeks of recording in my car or in uh, derelict office spaces. I finally have been able to return to my home and record here, which means that I'm the only person here right now. I mentioned... I mentioned that I don't like I don't like doing my thing in front of people or when people are around. I love I can do it in front of people. I don't care about that. But when people are around, it bothers me. I just don't want people to hear me. And it's very loud here sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it was brought to my attention that I put these on the internet for everybody to see in here. <laughs> for everybody, yeah, for the three people <laughs> to see in here, and uh, and now, <laughs> yeah, I just that just kind of makes me think. Well, yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I should just suck it up and do it. But here we are. We're doing it. We're back in the studio. It feels great. Uh, It took me longer than ever to set everything up. I'm actually even doing this a day ahead of when this episode posts. I just want to say episode. The show uh, posts. 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 When it's episode posts. Here we are. We're doing it again. (laughs) Forgetting how to talk. (laughs) Let's jump right into it. You know, I'm really happy. One day at a time is back. I've been watching a lot of episodes. By a lot, I mean one episode a day. It's a great show. I missed it. I missed it dearly. What else did I watch? I've been really trying to get into Persona 5, the video game. <laughs> really trying to dig deep in that. Since it's uh, three years old and I bought it, uh, I think last year, and I'm only 11 hours in. Still in the first dungeon. Let's get, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. That anime-based video game. It's very hard to get past. I don't want to do that. Let's talk about the Lego movie. First story I got here, why the Lego Movie 2 stumbled at the box office. This is from Rebecca Rubin over at Writing. Lego Movie 2 came out this past weekend. I wouldn't have known that were it not for the three trailers or the one trailer I saw three weeks ahead of time, which is insane. I love the Lego Movie series. I like Lego Batman. I like Lego Ninjago. I like Lego Movie. (laughs) I don't know why I said it in that order. But it, I mean, it's it's. I love the Lego films. Uh, uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. Uh, I know a guy named Phil Miller, and so I was, I, every time I say their name, I always want to say uh, Phil Miller. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in years, but it, it, it's it's you know I I love the way they they the way they make their movies. It's very funny. Uh, I haven't seen Lego Movie Two because I don't see movies the weekend they come out because of children and people. Just want to avoid all of that together, uh, and. I just read the ending of Lego Movie Two for some reason, so there's that. But I, but it sucks to have this movie that's been in the making for the past three years to not do well. Let's see. Heading into the weekend, Warner Brothers expected everything would be awesome. Instead, executives at the Burbank lot were are feeling a pain, not unlike the sharp sting you suffer from stepping on a tiny plastic toy. Which I heard there's a, a joke about stepping on a Lego in the movie. There we go. <laughs> Just wanted you all to know that. Uh, Lego Movie 2, second part, that's what it's called, fell short of expectations, earning $34.4 million when it opened in 4,303 venues. It was enough to top do- uh, domestic box office charts, but it arrived $15 million 
behind even modern modest estimates, estimates, <laughs> modest estimates. Uh, at this point, uh, the Lego movie, I believe, let's see. Let's see how much money the first Lego movie made so far. And we're we're still in the middle of the week. This movie has not been out for even a week. It's been five days. Uh, this movie, Lego movie two has made fifty four point seven million out of and it has a budget of ninety nine million dollars uh, in twenty nineteen. Lego movie, the original, which actually came out in twenty fourteen. So it's five years old, made four hundred and sixty nine point one million dollars with a budget of sixty to sixty five million. So they got it. So they had a, a budget increase, of course, with a sequel, which always happens. I, I wonder what kind of Lego uh, spinoffs there will be. There's a Simpsons episode called Brick Like Me, and up in season twenty, I'm gonna go ahead and say four, five years ago. They're at uh, they're in season thirty right now, I believe. <laughs> Please, Chad, let me be right. Mm, Brick Like Me. Okay, let's see. I wanted to, if I'm if I'm right, this is gonna be very sad for everybody. Twenty five. Ugh, that was a year off. Anyways, ugh, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, Lego Movie Two, of course, got the sequel bump. For the money. Uh, it's got positive reviews, but Lego Movie 2 had one of the lowest openings in the cartoon series, just ahead of the Lego Ninjago movie, which was a spinoff of the Lego movie, which is a spinoff of the TV show Lego Ninjago, which is also a v- not a good show. Lego Ninjago movie in 2017 had a, which I saw in theaters. I'm an adult man. I was still an adult man at that time, two years ago. Uh, it earned $20.4 million. It would have been rare to pull off the kind of $69 million debut that the Lego movie original had in 2014, but it's never a good sign for a franchise to see this kind of drop-off. Sequels are supposed to be better, of course. Here's a very important part. Insiders at Warner Brothers are attributing the decline in ticket sales mainly to diminished enthusiasm for the series in terms of older audiences. So they're saying adults that like the first one are still growing up too fast. To, to to like the second one again, I, I, which I think is, uh, and, and which is wrong. I think is wrong. I'm going to go ahead and say it's wrong. Uh, I'm going to continue reading on, but I do have a theory as to why I didn't perform well. The first iteration tapped into nostalgia as this charming and humorous take. Uh, uh, the original film pulled in a broader crowd and saw 41% of ticket buyers under the age of 18. The second part skewed younger, and as a result, over 47% of moviegoers were below uh, 18 years old. That's a 6% increase, of course. Ticket prices are less expensive for kids, and without the kind of musty elements that warrant 3D or IMAX screens, it's causing theaters to reel in less dough. Then it was family friendly, all this stuff. They're blaming children, and then they're and then you know they've got uh, they're blaming all these other movies too. How to Train Your Dragon three, which is not even out yet. Uh, sorry, The Hidden World and Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, which is. Is is out in a couple of uh, weeks, which I mean, don't blame each other. Movies, blame yourself. All right, so my theory as to why the Lego Movie Two second part, Lego Movie second part failed, is because it wasn't getting enough advertising. I didn't even know I knew it was coming, because I'm because I'm, I'm an insider. I'm somebody who knows movies. I mean, I'm a guy who knows movies a lot, <laughs> who knows movies a lot, but it just doesn't make sense. Uh, to have this movie come out and and not have the proper advertising. I mean, what what the movies? The only movie that I I can remember it having a trailer maybe for the Lego Movie the second part is uh, oh you know what? I didn't I haven't seen a trailer in a long time. 
uh, is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was produced by Lord Miller. Uh, but before that, I don't I don't know if maybe it came with Wreck-It Ralph 2. Just have advertisements everywhere leading up to it like that. Like if I if I'm watching a Cartoon Network show, then it should be advertised on Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, uh, Disney Channel. It should be advertised on every child based network. Like I should be sick. Like when everything is awesome, everything is awesome was the was the tagline for the movie. And I think it was, and it was a song as well. Uh, I don't. I don't think I know because I have the the Lego Movie record is sitting up there in my closet. I'm pointing to it. It looks like I'm just pointing to the heavens. I'm really off center in this camera, but the but I, I think there's a another toe tapping pop song in this one. Haven't heard a lick of it. Everything is awesome. I heard it in the trailer. I heard it in advertisements. I heard it everywhere. I haven't heard a lick of this. Industry analysts, this is from the article, uh, point to the one-two punch of the Lego Batman movie and the Lego Ninjago movie, both both of which were released in 2017 as cause for concern. Lego Batman movie, the first of the spinoffs, became a hit and ended its box office run with $312 million worldwide. Ninjago came a few months later, didn't fare as well, uh, and Warner Brothers learned the hard way that uh, there can indeed be too much of a good thing. It tapped out at $123 million worldwide and left many questioning why the studio decided to debut both in the same year. That, again, that does not matter. You can have two of the same movies premiere in the same year. Uh, look at the Star Wars films. The I think it was uh, Solo and the one before that. There were two, right? No, they did one every year. Okay, look at a look at a Marvel movie. Look at a uh, a superhero movie. As they have there's three that are I think there are four coming out this year. Uh, two X Men movies, right? Yeah, Dark Phoenix and the New Mutants, and then uh, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and uh, and another one I assume I don't know. So there's at least four of those movies coming out. Uh, for DC one year, we had Batman versus Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, these movies, it doesn't matter if you, if you have two movies come out in one year, it doesn't matter if, if, if they have, if they're from the same series or not, uh, it's, it's gonna, it just depends on the subject matter. Lego Batman did well because it's Batman and it's Lego and he was a great character in the Lego movie. And so when you, when you give him his own spinoff, it's a, it's, you hope it's going to be a good movie. And it turned out it was Lego Ninjago was a series. No one knew unless you watch Cartoon Network, the the Lego Ninjago series, which is a TV show, which is still going on. No one knows what that is. No one knows if it's Ninjago or Ninjago or how do you pronounce it? Don't blame putting out two movies in one year. You blame the subject which is Ninjago. Now that movie is not bad. It's it's in fact I rewatched on the HBO a couple of months ago. It's a it's a funny movie. There's a lot of good jokes in there. The, the, it's just Ninjago. You can't you can't it's, it's a, it, it it was made accessible but no one really gives a crap about Ninjago. And I mean, the last part of Lego Batman had all these villains from all these different movies. It had the uh, Eye of Sauron. Uh, I think it had King Kong. It had the Wicked Witch of the West. All these, and it's, the movie's two years old. So if you, if this is a spoiler for you, then uh, think about your life. <laughs> think about your life <laughs> from a, saying from a grown man who owns all of the Lego movies, except for Ninjago, because it's the worst one. Um. And then she credits uh, Hotel Transylvania 3 Summer Vacation, which isn't terrible. Uh, check it out. 
So Netflix, uh, Incredibles two and the Grinch all benefited from uh, significant overseas followings that helped justify pricier budgets. That hasn't been the case, and with this particular franchise, which is true, uh, Lego Ninjago uh, has seen its domestic haul dwarf international grosses. No one knows what a Ninjago is. That's the issue. Okay, that's story one. That's in the books. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, we're gonna take a little break. So I can check on the cameras. When we come back, this camera might be centered (laughs) over here. And also, we're going to talk about two more things that I want to talk about. Or three more. Oh, my God. I forgot all these stories I have. Uh, I'll be right back in a second. And we're back to the show. This is the show. The Constitutionals, we're doing it. Uh, Let me check my timer's running. Yes, it is. Okay, let's do this. Let's move on in to the second half of this, uh, whatever this is. Uh, real quick, I just I've I just read this. This is the third thing. Uh, I just read this really before the uh, the show started. Uh, this is an article from Variety again. Daniel Daddario kicking and screaming. FX is forced to confront future in the stream, uh, which no one calls it the stream. Uh, which is a it's an excellent little column he wrote uh, talking about. Uh, and I, I don't mean a little column as in I'm just, you know, I'm belittling this guy, but I mean a little column as in it's 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 talking about how FX and John Landgraf are really going to have to lean into the streaming nature of the world. You know what? I did not straighten out that camera. I just looked over at the monitor. It's not straight. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Um, but he's talking about how John Landgraf uh, needs to and and FX need to uh, get more into the streaming space. Uh, because they're 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 not competing enough with this uh, changing world, and it really just likens how uh, Netflix has all of these has all these shows uh, like you know for every ten of FX's shows, which I think they only have like fifteen shows on right now. <laughs> uh, well, for every ten of their shows that they have, that there's uh, you know a hundred more Netflix shows that are brand new and they're all airing this week. You won't watch them all. You'll put them in your queue, but you won't watch them all. But FX does win more awards, which is which is their way of saying, "Hey, we did that." Uh, so he's saying that that Netflix and FX have their different ways of doing it, but FX needs to be able to uh, work within the streaming space as well. And he says Disney's acquisition of the 21st Century Fox Landgraf acknowledged that the greater resources behind FX would lead to the network reducing more content. So they're saying more shows, more streaming, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so there's that. Check it out. It's a good article. I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> if I talk like that, I'll link it in the show notes. Remember, let's go with another uh, variety article. No, 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 no. Let's do this one. This is from Engadget. DVRs aren't the ad killer everyone thinks. This is from Steve Dent over at uh, Engadget. Uh, so TiVo came out, all these other DVRs came out, and now we live. We will <laughs> at a hold on for a point. We lived in a world where you could just fast forward, record things, and fast forward the commercials, never see a commercial again. But apparently, uh, ad skipping technology is kind of a bust, and it's not really what it seems. Uh, what it turns out is, and I didn't have to get the numbers, uh, is that uh, people who have DVRs and skip through commercials are still seeing the same amount of commercials as everyone else. Why did I click on something else? This is why touch screens should not be on laptops. I clicked on something and now it's loading up. Okay. 
Shohin Jump, Manga. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, time shifting set top boxes from the likes of TiVo are often referred to as ad skipping technology, but apparently that's not quite the case. People that use the devices apparently uh, watch the same number of ads that they did before getting the new t- the tech and watch the same amount of live TV, according to a new study. Uh, overall, users do watch a bit more TV, but their viewing habits don't really change all that much. The study is from Carnegie Mellon University, which is great, Erasmus University, Rotterdam, and Catholica Lisbon School of Business used a randomized control trial of over 50,000 cable customers. In some of those households, customers were given access to premium TV channels, including popular movies and TV shows without commercial breaks. Within that group, some household could use a time shift TV, letting the researchers observe how the tech changed their viewing habits. So I think what they mean is there's a, what is it? The dish has the hopper. And that's a that's a quote from a commercial from what six years ago now at this point. They have something called the hopper, and uh, and and you press a button and it would skip over the commercials and go right back to the show as soon as the show went to the commercial break. I don't. I think that's probably what they're talking about. But then also, you know, we have TiVo has. I think TV. I think the new versions of TiVo has the ad skip button, and then you know, of course, you have the fast forward. And for for a long time, I think for about two to three years. Uh, I had I had a, an, uh, a TiVo OTA, a TiVo OTA over the air, uh, sitting in my closet. Uh, this is when I lived at home. I had and I and I bought it on uh, this website called Woot, which would sell refurbished uh, electronic items. And I had this TiVo OTA because I thought, you know what? When I move out, I'm going to have this. I'm going to plug it into my Xbox. It's going to get. Uh, TV from over the air, which it didn't because you had to get an, a separate antenna for that. Uh, and then I can record stuff and, and you know, like that. And then uh, streaming became a little bit better. And, you know, PlayStation uh, View became a thing and Sling TV became better, a better company. And then Hulu with live TV was just being introduced. And I had this, I had this, <laughs> this TiVo OTA and which you had to subscribe to TiVo. You could either pay $200 for a lifetime or I think it was like 20, 10 to 20 bucks a month to continue to use the DVR. Uh, Cause I tried setting it up and it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. And then I, and then I was, and then at some point I looked down, I spent 45 bucks on this and I was like, you know what? It's just not worth it. And I, I think I sold it at a pawn shop or something. I don't think they gave me any money for it, but I thought it was very funny that I owned that thing for so long. I I always thought, you know, when I move out, I'm going to have this TiVo. It's going to I'm going to plug it into my TV. It's going to be great. And now I I watch there's app, there's good enough apps on the Xbox and the PlayStation that I that I just watch stuff on there. So there we go. Uh, households with time shifting technology and premium cable uh, channels watched more TV, both live and previously aired programs. However, it didn't change much like how live TV uh, viewers saw overall because they quote disproportionately used. Uh, brackets time shift technology to watch the more popular programs, which increased the concentration of overall TV consumption, according to the study. Uh, the time shift TV was used more often for TV shows and movies, not sports and news. Well, obviously, you can't use it for sports and news. <laughs> Who's going to fast forward news or rewind news? Or so I, I guess that makes sense. Customers didn't use it to avoid ads when they watched nine premium content live. Okay. Uh, there was also a time I forgot the story I was going to tell. You had just been waiting to sit <laughs> to talk about a story. <laughs> you forgot about it. 
any hoosers. Uh, so yeah, there we go. I mean, there are limitations, of course, and I would definitely check out the study on your own time if you really uh, give a crap like I do for some reason. But yeah, it's very that's very interesting to see that uh, people who uh, the NASA rover died. Uh, it's got a it's got a notification from the Washington Post about that. Uh, it's very interesting to see uh, that people, even when they have the chance to. Oh, I know the story I was going to tell. Uh, okay, so a lot like years and years ago, I probably had just gotten out of college and moved back home. Uh, I, uh, we still had a house phone and I, and I, and I, and one day I was home and, and, I, and someone called and I picked it up, uh, cause I thought it was like a regular number. And then it was somebody from the Nielsen company, the Nielsen ratings, I think. Yeah, I think it was Nielsen ratings. And they offered to have, to send us, they, he's like, he, the, the guy talking, he asked, he's like, Hey, uh, do you guys have cable and all this stuff? And, and uh, asked and made me do a little survey, and I was, I was more than happy to because I I want to add to the ratings. I've always wanted to be a Nielsen family. I don't know why, but I hear I I remember there was an episode of Alf where they were a Nielsen family. <laughs> That's an old. Why did I just Why did that just come up in my head? There was an episode of Alf where they wanted where Alf wanted to be part of the Nielsen family, and um, Chimney Christmas. This happens every single day. I don't know if you heard that. But uh, some punk and his revved up Mustang, probably, or Dodge Charger, uh, or Dodge Dart, because apparently that one, that was a popular one too, just, just drive past and they, and they rev their engine and they speed and it sucks. And it happens pretty much once an hour every single day and it's the worst. Ugh, I hate it so much. It happens every day. I was exaggerating about the once an hour, but it happens every single day. Any hoosers. So the, I was talking to the Nielsen guy. I remember this episode of Alf, the Nielsen family. So I decided, hey, hey, let me take the survey. And uh, I did the survey. And then he's like, all right, great. Uh, if you're selected, we will send you a notebook and you write down all of the TV shows that you watch during the week. Uh, everybody in the house watches during the week and how long you watch TV. And if you turn if you turn a channel or something like that and all that stuff. And I was like, great. All right, cool. And he never sent it. I was never chosen. They never told us. And I was, I'm so pissed because I want to be part of the Nielsen family. They're the modern Stone Age family. <laughs> the Nielsen family, the modern Stone Age family. But it's always, that's, I thought that was always cool that, that, you know, they, they send you a box. Uh, I think this is like in the eighties and nineties. They send you a box, obviously it's Alf. They send you a box and uh, the box notifies them based on what you watch. And these people got free premium channels. So, you know, you could be sitting there with uh, Xfinity. You know, you have your regular channel package. And then Nielsen could be like, or this, this study can be like, hey, you want you want HBO and Showtime and Cinemax and Stars? And NFL Network? We'll give it to you, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right, well, this is it. The last story. This is great. I'm so happy to be back in this uh, room. Variety, recording in this room. I'm, all, I'm always in this room. I'm just back. I'm happy to be back recording in here. This is from Variety. My friend Brett Lang, I don't know him personally, but I know that name because I read all his stuff. Number of films with female leads hit record levels in 2018. Oh my God. Speaking of levels, have the levels been this high for this entire podcast? 
from A Quiet Place to A Star is Born, studios backed with more films with female leads in 2018, according to new research. Out of the top 100 grossing movies, 40 films had women in central roles as either the main character or the co-lead, according to the USC Anberg Inclusion Initiative. That represented an increase of eight films from the previous year and 20 movies from 2007. It is the highest percentage of female-driven films in 12 years. So, if you don't know, there's a, there's a show I do every week called News Time, where it's entertainment business news. It's the only thing I can... It's like it's like a daily show, but it's entertainment business news. It's way less funny. And I did... Uh, and pre- periodically, whenever I do an episode about race or gender... Uh, and talk about how there's not enough of it, not enough diversity in this uh, world of movie and television. I always reference the USC Anberg Inclusion Initiative, which is from uh, the school USC, and it's done by Professor Stacy Smith. I got a text. Uh, done by <laughs> Professor. She knows who she is. Uh, if she's listening to this, <laughs> she's not. She's not. <laughs> I'm never supported by my lovers. Um, uh, USC uh, professor Stacy Smith, who uh, leads this initiative and just wants diversity in all of movies and film and television and, and, and podcasts and all that stuff. Not podcasts, but I just wanted to bring that up myself because I noticed there's still a lot of white men on podcasts. Any hoosers, uh, and I've, I've been talking about this, I reference it all the time. Uh, definitely check it out. Follow them. They do some great work. You'll see some numbers. You'll see that Hulu has, and I still think this is true, zero people of color uh, in the executive position. Uh, I, I think they have like like eight. I don't know. Anyway, zero people of color uh, behind creating their shows and stuff like that. So we got we to gotta step it up. Netflix has uh, only a few uh, you know, uh, people of color or uh, gendered, you know, stuff like that. So anyway, check it out. It's a, they do some really good work. They put out studies all the time and it will piss you off if you're somebody like me. And I mean a black man. <laughs> uh, actresses from underrepresented groups still don't get the same opportunities as white actors, but data suggests that things are improving. 28 of the top 100 movies of 2018 featured an underrepresented lead or co-lead, according to a report, such as, uh, you know, uh, if Beale Street could talk. They had a, uh, they got black, they got women. Boom. That's a net gain of seven films in 2000, from 2017 and a 15 film gain from 2007. Last year, black or African-American, no, just say black. Black actresses have <laughs> had five lead or co-lead roles. Three mixed race actresses had uh, lead or co-lead roles. Two Hispanic or Latin actresses had lead or co-lead roles. And that's probably from um, uh, all from Roma. <laughs> That's not, I mean, it's, and one Asian uh, or Asian American actress had a lead role, and that's from Crazy Rich Asians. There are, were ethnic, ethnic groups that were virtually ignored. No Native American women, uh, no Native women, and women from the, do we say just say Native women? That just sounds weird. Uh, women from the Middle East had leading roles. Although Hollywood is widening its aperture to include more points of views and is promoting more movies with women and people of color, there's still room for improvement. The overall percentage of female leads in top-grossing films may have grown, but it pales in percentage to their share of the population and of the movie-going audience. Women comprise 51% of the population in the U.S. and Canada and 50% of ticket buyers. The same holds true with underrepresented groups who account for 39.3% of the U.S. population. Moreover, Latinos and Asians account for a disproportionate amount of t- ticket sales. 
And so I can see the numbers here. In 2007, there were 20 female leads. 2010, that grew to 30. Then it dipped for a very long time, evened out in 15, 16, and 17. And now in, a, uh, in 18, it was 40, 40 women. Percentage of 1,200 films with female leads is 28%. This is, after, this is out of the top grossing 1,200 films because they, they always do top grossing stuff. So, you know, it goes from as high as Avengers as to as low as uh, an indie movie that did really well. They did uh, perfectly. It's, it's always interesting to see uh, something like that. Now we're going to talk about age. 11 of the top 100 gruesome movies, a group that includes Halloween and Ocean's 8, featured a female lead or co-lead 45 years of age or older. I think that was what, Sandy Bullock and Ocean's 8? That's more than double the number from 2017 when only five of the top grossing films had a lead, a female lead who was 45 or older. Change is always happening. Dr. Stacy Smith has a few words for this. 2018 offers uh, hope that the industry uh, the members have taken action to create content that better reflects the world in which we live, and the box office seems to have rewarded them for it. This data shows us that it is possible for change to be achieved. Companies must not grow complacent, but continue the progress they have made in 2019 and the years to come. Let's see. We have a we have a told we have a chart here. It's going to be the last thing before we go. We have a chart here from the major studios uh, from 20th Century Fox, uh, Universal Pictures, Disney, all the other ones, which is only like you know six or seven. Diversity by distributor across 12 years. Number of total number of films distributed. This is the this is what makes up makes up the twelve hundred. So I was wrong about the top grossing movies of eighteen two thousand eighteen, but this is uh, diversity from distributors over twelve years. This is the total number of films distributed. So you know they have numbers as low as uh, Lionsgate did one hundred and six. Uh, Warner Brothers did a uh, did two hundred and eight movies distributed last year. Disney did one hundred eighteen. You know so numbers fluctuate like that. Out of all of them, the lowest number of films with a female lead or co-lead come from Paramount Pictures, which only had 26. Universal Pictures is the highest one and had 59 movies of its 185 movies had a, uh, a movie with a lead, a female lead or co-lead. Films with an UR lead or co-lead. What is that? I don't know. I think that means people of color, person of color. Uh, lowest one is 16, tied with the other set category and Paramount Pictures. Highest one is 39 from Sony Pictures. Uh, films films with a UR female lead or co-lead. So that means a person of color that is a woman. <laughs> uh, highest one was Sony Pictures with 14. Lowest one, tied three, is... Uh, Warner Brothers Pictures out of the 208 movies they did. Warner Brothers Pictures and Paramount Pictures out of the 125. Paramount is just slacking. So that's what we got to do. We got to step up, wake up to reality. Let them know that we're here. And we're going to do something about it. It's, it's, it always sucks because people get so mad when you talk about race. 
uh, and then by people, I mean white people. They get so mad when you talk about race because you want to be seen as somebody of an equal. This is why I have such an issue with these superhero movies, uh, like these uh, these uh, these Avengers, Avengers, Avengers. These these people, they just they sit there. You know, they they think, oh, this is great. You know, everybody's in this movie. No, I mean, there's still no uh, queer superheroes on tel on not on both on television and in movies. Uh, we're finally going to get a queer superhero, uh, and I'm not talking about whatever is going on in Supergirl. You know, they they have their own thing. <laughs> finally, going to get a queer superhero <laughs> and uh, Batgirl, uh, and then uh, let's see. You know, I guess there's something going on. Anyway, uh, you know, and then and then for the Avengers movies, there's what Don Cheadle and uh, Anthony Mackie. The only those are the only two people of color. I think they're only two people of color, right? Because they what they got the Hulk, the Iron Man's, uh, Doctor Strange. Everybody's white except for you know those two guys. And then how many? And then how many women do they have? Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Colby Smulders. That's it. Three women and Captain Marvel, I guess. That's four women out of the 70 white dudes that are on this movie. There's there's six people who 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 are who are different. And yeah, I know I'm probably missing some names. I don't care. I don't watch this stuff anymore. At least Suicide Squad tried something different. It's the best superhero movie. It's not. I like Suicide Squad. It's fine. I like I like all the superhero movies. They're fine. I'm not gonna hate it, except for Doctor Strange, which is trash. Uh, so there we go. Uh, you know, there, there, we just need, there needs to be, and it's, and it's not like, you know, I, that's why I think, um, Hamilton was, you know, even though I kind of resent it now, I loved Hamilton when it came out. And then, uh, when white people grasped on, I was, I started thinking maybe I shouldn't like this. <laughs> like, I love hip hop. This is the greatest thing. You know, it's kind of, that's, that's like kind of the reason why I stopped liking, um, Charles Gambino and all that stuff because you know white people started latching on to that stuff, latching on. And I'm just like, ooh, <laughs> you can like it, it's fine, but you like it too much. <laughs> you like it too much. You like Atlanta, great. You talk about Atlanta every time to me, issue. Uh, but yeah, there we go. Hey, listen, if you like what you heard here, why don't you head on over to the website seaplescomedy.com where we've got the some interviews and stuff that camera just shut off. You can. Uh, we got interviews, <laughs> old episode episodes of this show. Subscribe to this show and tell your friends. We got a video version of the show on youtube.com slash C comedy where news time also lives. News time is the weekly show. I do uh, this week's episode is about the Grammys. I, I, since I wrote it and shot it Monday, it is very topical uh, about the, something that happened with Drake about him not being able to finish his speech. So there's that. Uh, and uh, yeah so there you go that's uh, that follow us on Twitter at Simplest Comedy follow me on Twitter at Chad Black White follow us on Instagram please like us on Facebook and always in the show the way you want to do it I ended this show just like I ended it news time okay bye <laughs>
from a comedian named Greg Stone. He's got a new album coming out the day after this podcast drops. We got a special release preview track for you, okay? This album is called The Amazing Greg Stone, of course, from comedian Greg Stone. comes from uh, Comedy Records, and he's going to talk about all the good comedy stuff, of course, that you know about. But Greg Stone, funny guy. He's got a stage presence. I listened to this clip. He's got a great stage presence. Uh, it kind of makes me want to say, hey, maybe I should have just asked for the entire album because I am very interested now. Uh, you've seen this guy on AXX uh, TV, AXS TV's uh, Gotham Comedy Live, True TV, Sirius XM Radio, uh, The Bennington Show, Comedy Central's Bonfire, just so many different things. He was a writer for The Break with Michelle Wolf on Netflix, RIP to that show, and the 2018 White House Correspondents Dinner. Wow, good for him. He's a, he's a funny guy. Good for him. He deserves uh, everything good that happens to him. Hopefully this album does well. Again, this is not an ad. I, this is just something I got a chance to listen to, and I want you to listen to it as well. So after I finish this, you're going to hear a very special thing. Okay. Enjoy. Oh, it's a little blue. Uh, a lot a lot blue. It's a lot blue because uh, this show is clean, but who cares? Uh, because uh, outside of this, I am very blue myself. Okay, enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Bye. Bisexual. That's the dream. Yeah, you can have sex with both. That's like going to a buffet and having no allergies. You could just eat whatever you want. You're the lobster, the dick, the vagina. Put on your mouth. You love it all. God bless. Being straight sucks. It's like being a vegan. You get one option. Have you ever been to a diner with a vegan? They act the same way straight guys do around dick. We're like, whoa, was there dick on this menu? <laughs> There's dick on the menu. Oh, you have no dick. I can't have no penis. I need to get you. If the chef used a spatula that touched dick, he needs to throw that spatula away and get a new dick-free spatula. I have allergies to gluten and nuts. I cannot have nuts. They get near my face. I carry an EpiPen. I'll have to shove it into my leg. Stupid, man. Everyone always wants to put things on gay that aren't gay. Everyone's always like, what are you drinking a Malibu Bay Breeze? Gay. What are you listening to Barbra Streisand? Gay. No, delicious drink. Platinum award winning artist. That is what that is. People forget the only thing that makes you gay is being attracted to the same sex. Attracted. If you're not attracted to the same sex, you can't be gay. Trust me, I'm trying. Nothing will take. Nothing I do will make me gay until I'm attracted to the opposite. Every guy in this room, you could line up at the end of the show. You could line up. I could give you all one complimentary handjob. One. You get one. You only get one. Don't get back online. I'll fucking know it's you. You could just line up. And I could be like, have a good night. Have a good night. Have a good night. There's a, there's a two-drink minimum. Did you have the door? All right. Have a good night. Still wouldn't be gay. Be awkward. Yeah, really awkward. But I wouldn't be gay. Doing this here, think of it this way, right? I've been eating wonton soup my whole life. Still not Chinese. Do you see what I'm saying there? You can do the thing, doesn't make you the thing. I don't know. 